Hey there, it's Nikki Klosser, and I want to let you know about an awesome free giveaway for people on our email list. If you haven't already, click the link in our podcast description or go to theportraitsystem.com slash sign up to get on the list. If you sign up, you'll get a free Posing 101 PDF to jumpstart things. It's an epic PDF, so you'll definitely want to get this. Also, just by being in our email community, you'll get deals, sales, and information about any of our upcoming events and activities. So head over to theportraitsystem.com slash sign up and sign up today. This is the Portrait System Podcast, a show that helps portrait photographers and people hoping to become one navigate the world of photography, business, money, and so much more. We totally keep it real. We share stories about the incredible ups and the very difficult downs when running a photography business. I'm your host, Nikki Klosser, and the point of this podcast is for you to learn actionable steps that you can take to grow your own business and also to feel inspired and empowered by the stories you hear. Hey everyone, this week your Clubhouse chat is with, of course, your hosts, Kevin and Ashley, and they interviewed Nicole Bonella, and she is an incredible high-end portrait photographer. She's going to tell you all about her experiences this year and what it was like to get a gold award in the Portrait Masters Awards and Accreditation. She's such an amazing photographer, and I cannot wait for you to hear from her. Okay, let's get started with Ashley, Kevin, and Nicole. Welcome everyone to the Portrait System Podcast, Clubhouse Edition. My name is Kevin Conde, and I'm here with my co-host, Ashley Taylor. If you're not familiar with the Portrait System, we are a portrait photography podcast that is powered by Sue Bryce Education. Nikki Klosser hosts our Monday episodes, and Ashley and I co-host our Clubhouse edition, which is live here on the Clubhouse app every Friday at noon Pacific. And then our episodes are released on Thursdays. You can tune in on your favorite podcast app by searching for The Portrait System. Ashley, how are you doing today? I'm doing good. I can't believe it's our last interview of 2021. <laughs> it's kind of emotional and exciting. Um, I always, I'm really excited today also that we get to interview Nicole Bonilla, who is so talented, and I'm just obsessed with your work. So welcome, Nicole. Thank you so much. So Ashley and I wanted to end 2021 with a bang. As she said, this is our last one for the year. And uh, we figured what better way to do it than to have a gold-winning photographer uh, to discuss her work. Uh, January 15th, 2022 is the start of the next round of the Portrait Masters Awards and Accreditation. So we wanted to discuss your process and hopefully provide some useful information for people thinking about entering and how they might be able to improve their images to potentially get better scores. Uh, Before we do that, Before we get into your process, let's start off a bit by telling us a bit about your experience with entering the Portrait Masters Awards, and if you can indulge us on your medals count up to this point. (laughs) Well, I mean, it almost makes me emotional because it's funny, just about an hour ago, I saw that I had a delivery out on my front porch, and it actually is my fellow medal that just arrived, and then also there's two um, trophies for winning two categories mm-hmm. in this last Portrait Masters. Wow. Congratulations. <laughs> Thank you so much. So, yeah, like, oh, my heart's beating so fast. Just as I kind of take that all in and process that on what this year has been and, what, you know, what an amazing way to end, you know, 2021. Um, and so to take where I am now and then go back to the beginning. Um, so I actually am, have my degree in graphic design, and I have a business with my husband, We've been working from a home studio for 25 years now, and it was about eight years ago, I was had saved up to either buy a horse or a camera, <laughs> and I had just had some inspiration to buy the camera, which I did, and so I <laughs> Good um, Good yeah, just kind of went on a crash course learning um, commercial photography and videography, which I was adding to my graphic design services, and so that was wonderful because I can now offer a complete package for visual um, design. And then it was um, in February of 2018 that I was on Facebook and just happened to see an ad for Felix Kunz's um, signature lighting um, classes that he had or the online um, courses. And kind of on a whim, I went ahead and purchased it. That's the first time I'd ever done that. And so I watched his courses and was just so impressed with how he got that soft studio light. And then that also introduced me to Sue Bryce. I'm like, oh my goodness, where has this woman been all my life? (laughs) So that was really exciting. Um, And so that, I had a guest suite in my home, and it just really kind of clicked for me to convert that to a a portrait studio. 
Um, and then uh, it just kind of opened up this whole new creative world that I hadn't really explored much yet. And so, and to kind of preface that, I had learned to sew when I was 12. And during my teenage years, back then it was actually cheaper to make your dresses than to buy them. So I did lots of sewing. Um, I considered fashion design in college, but put that on the, the, the side the sideline as I um, chose graphic design instead. And so now fast forward to now, kind of with this whole portrait studio idea and really being able to, you know, minister and serve to, you know, to women and men and kind of bring that fashion aspect back into it and be able to now create and sew and design for a specific purpose, which is for, you know, like the photo shoots and, you know, creative ideas. And so kind of all those things all came together in this idea of offering um, portraits. And so I started um, with doing, you know, uh, the transformation shoots and mother and daughter, and then uh, found out about the Portrait Masters competition. And I had never really been one to compete. I never did sports. I was always into dance or horses, um, but just was so impressed by the amazing work that I saw. And so that kind of prompted me to be like, you know what, let me go ahead and submit a couple images and just try it out and see what happens. And so. I submitted six portraits and five of them, I think I scored like a 70, a 71, a 72. I had one that scored a 69, but it was just really cool to know that like, wow, I'm like, I'm actually considered like at a professional level to have some in those 70s. And so that was in February of 2018. And so that was like really encouraging and, you know, felt so intimidated and like, you know, by all the incredible work, you know, when you see those top 20s and, you know, I had no idea if I could ever produce work like that, but I just thought, well, if I'm going to strive for something, why don't I strive for the best, <laughs> you know? And so I just felt like this is going to be a fun, creative challenge for me to, you know, keep trying to submit and just kind of pushing myself and kind of see where it can go. And so... Do you want me to keep talking? Feel free. To no, <laughs> I was about to say that actually, okay. like, um, what's really amazing to me is that it's just a three-year journey, it sounds like. Like, if the first yeah. submission was 2018. And I think, like, sometimes when we're starting or we're submitting to the wards, we want, like, that instant gratification, like... I want to, you know, come out the gate strong and like just crush it. But the truth is that it does take time to up level mm -hmm. our work. And really, it's super impressive that in three years, you could go from low 70s to gold to fellow. Like these are huge accomplishments in really a relatively short period of time. So I just mm -hmm. want to like, you know, commend you for working oh, so you. hard. <laughs> thank you. Yeah, it was Felix's course in 2018. And then, yeah, my first Portrait Matter sub submission was 2019, July of 2019. So it actually, yeah, I guess was a two-year span, which is like crazy. Like, <laughs> I don't know if I recommend that to, ever, to anybody, but absolutely is a process. And then the next round, it was January of 2020, um, I submitted um, 26 pictures. So now I'm kind of branching out oh, wow. and I'm submitting the best of my uh, portrait work that I'm doing for clients. And so with, with that round, I scored uh, three bronze with distinction and 23 bronze. And, and so at that point, it's kind of that realization, which I find, you know, as I read on the chats and things um, in the Facebook groups, of kind of realizing what's the difference between really good, solid client work and then those pictures that are getting like the silvers and, you know, these high awards. And so you kind of start to have this realization that, um, you know, just really good client work is not going to get into those silvers. And so, but that client work may absolutely thrill and, you know, accomplish a fantastic shoot for your client, but it may not have that creative merit that might be recognized in this competition. And yeah. so, go ahead. I was just going to say, um, if you could maybe expand on that even a little bit more and like what you think define something that's creative and like submission worthy because I think that that's always whenever the awards come out something that people struggle with why mm -hmm. is it so hard to get silver but maybe they're just they are just submitting client work I know that was actually to be completely transparent me for a long time yeah, <laughs> um yeah, like because I'd be like but my work's really good and it would uh -huh. it's it would often score like bronze with distinction even yeah, with yeah. client work but 
I just would always have such a hard time getting silvers and I would feel so deflated. And it wasn't really until maybe a year ago that I started realizing like, if I really want to like hit silvers consistently, like I'm going to need to set a time, aside time to uh-huh. create these specific shoots for competition. So I'd love to hear like, how did you realize that? What do you think is that? Di- like, what do you, what amount of work do you think separates a client shoot or styling separates a client mm-hmm. shoot from something that's really silver or gold worthy? What level of like concept needs to be put in place to achieve that? Yeah, I think so. With your client work, obviously, you the client is the most important thing, and you want them to be happy. You want them to love their piece, and so your objective is very specific there. And so then going into this creative work, you know, for me as a graphic designer, um, you know, it's creativity for a specific purpose and accomplishing a goal, whether it's, you know, a marketing objective or branding or something along those lines. And um, I had never considered myself a fine artist, which is much more about freedom of expression, surreal, you know, it can be anything. And so for me personally, I had to kind of switch out of like, problem solving, please the client, you know, that kind of mode into now, okay, how do I kind of free my mind a little bit more? How do I let myself, you know, kind of go past reality, so to speak, and just kind of create. And actually, one thing that really helped was attending Portrait Masters. Oh, I'm not sure which one it was, but Richard Wood um, presented about creativity. And he had a great little exercise where he had you just pick an object in your mind. Now pick a person. Now pick an action or something like that. Now put them all together in a picture. What would that be? You know, and it's almost like a Mad Lib (laughs) kind of thing, but at least it got your mind thinking a little bit differently. And so what I tried to do um, then as I was now planning to do just some creative shoots was, first of all, have an inspiration piece. You know, you kind of have to have what is that, that prop or that outfit or you know, that thing that I'm going to then kind of build the shoot around. And um, for me, another thing which is probably equally as much fun for me as the picture itself (laughs) is the sourcing of the props or the outfits. You know, like I said, being able Mm -hmm. to sew is so much fun for me. And then actually my favorite place to get supplies is Goodwill, which is a thrift store. So I'll go in and just buy like um, curtains and bed sheets. And that's what I'll use for fabrics to make like the big flowy skirts and things like that. And so I'm really kind of creating a mood, a style, a color scheme. Um, And it all kind of, I'll just kind of, I always have an open mind when I'm out shopping. I'll find things that just spark something for me. You know, they spark joy, (laughs) as you might say, you know, and then I'll hold on to that. And then over a couple months time, you know, I'll go to that store every couple of weeks. I might find another piece. I'm like, ooh, that works with that. And so I kind of have these pieces on, on a rack, you know, kind of out in my room where I could see them. Um, and then each concept was kind of forming itself, you know, around like, um, I should say color is really is something I'm very drawn to. I love all colors. <laughs> I wouldn't be able to pick one color scheme. And so I would kind of let, okay, this one I want to be very, very pink and soft. And this, I want to go like hard red, you know, or this one, I'm like, ooh, let's go like, you know, kind of purples and grays, you know. And so that's really fun for me to kind of start with what's my color scheme, what's my mood. Um, and then within that, it's what can I um, actually shoot? <laughs> what can I actually make happen? You know, what models can I get? Um, and with getting models, um, putting out a model call in my social media has worked fantastic. Um, yeah, I don't feel like I'm at any loss for, um, you know, people willing to, to model for me. When you do those model calls, can you can you talk a little about like what are you looking for in the person? Is it depending on your concept? Like, are you looking for a particular skill, a particular look, someone with on camera experience who may be more emotive or you know, quote unquote, easier to photograph because they don't mm-hmm. have like the nerves that a normal client might have? Like, what is right. what is it that you're looking for when you do a casting call, essentially, or a model call? Um, so a lot of my, my portraits have evolved into the dance genre, which I grew up in dance, and that's something I've always been drawn to to anyway. And so like for a dance model call, I would include a couple sample portraits of some previous shoots. They kind of have an idea of what I'm talking about. And I would say I would say no model, no modeling experience necessary. Um, you know, it's a creative shoot. We'll be trading for digitals. It'll take probably three to four hours at my home studio in Gilbert. Um, you know, please submit if you're interested, um, you know, send me a link to like your Instagram um, or like a headshot and a full body shot. 
And so, um, so doing that, so then they would send me the information and then I would schedule, I kind of picked about three or four of them. And with their upcoming shoots, again, I've got, you know, several different concepts that I have in mind. And so then I look at, okay, who are these girls that responded? And, you know, I'm looking for girls who have good body lines, who have, um, you know, expressive features. And they don't have to be beautiful per se. They don't have to, it's really not about who's pretty or not. It's more about, do they have, you know, bright eyes? You know, do they have lips? Do they, you know, do they have kind of these features that photograph well that can help kind of to give emotion? Yeah, so I would look for that. And then once once I knew who the girl was, then I would, um, for her photo shoot, I would do at least three outfits, um, three of the different concepts within that, you know, like three to four hours, um, just to kind of maximize the time. And um, yeah, yeah, so once I have them, I want to take advantage of the time I have with them. So Yeah, I, I love this casting call idea and like the fact that you are using that time to get multiple looks with people because that just seems like it would make the most sense and that you would be doing three to four you know three Mm -hmm. to four hours with at least like three different looks Mm -hmm. can you talk about like are you creating mood boards for each look how are you planning out the concept Uh, probably not so far as to actually make a mood board because um, I'm incredibly efficient with the use of my time. <laughs> and if, it, if I can just have it in my head and not have to actually put something down like on paper or whatever, I'd rather catalog it there. Um, so I would say that mood board kind of is just more in where I kind of collect the elements for that particular outfit. Um, I do just keep um, in Google, I have a brainstorm document. Um, so yeah, actually this is a, that's been very helpful is um, yeah, in the Google document because then I can access it if I'm on my laptop or on my desktop computer or I'm out somewhere on my phone. If I have an idea, then I just throw it into that um, like Word document. Um, and then with that idea, I'll just jot down if I do have any specific ideas for what the pose might be or, or just anything to just get it out of my head and kind of on paper. And then I could go back through that list when needed um, as I have these different models that I'm going to have scheduled um, that I can kind of check off. These were the different concepts that I was wanting to, to shoot with them. So, so that's definitely helped. So it's not a, necessarily a visual mood board more just a brainstorming list and just so I have all the ideas somewhere so I don't don't have to so I don't forget them. <laughs> <laughs> and I wanted to ask you mentioned earlier that you're you make costumes for a lot of your shoots. Are you doing mm-hmm. this also for every single award that you're doing or are you already sourcing um, other outfits from you say you you visit Goodwill to pick out mm-hmm. um items are you picking up outfits from there or are you custom making everything um both yeah so my intention is is it doesn't matter to me if i've made it or not so to speak it's more of can i find what i'm looking for and if i can't find it then i'll make it um to be able to get like these flowy skirts you know those are impossible to really buy (laughs) per se and through you know lots of experimenting with different fabrics and how you know how much fullness needs to be in that skirt to get some nice flow to it so I've kind of come up with with my design that is really quick for me to make up and it really gives a nice flow that I'm looking for and I'm yeah I'd never be able to find that like online and I can make it from a set of bed sheets so my cost is like ten dollars or less (laughs) for the whole skirt so so like all those like, for example, that yin yang shot you have, all yeah. those ones where they have big fully fabrics, that's not like uh-huh. silk or anything that's well, bed sheets. <laughs> so, yeah, for that one, actually, I do chiffon is um, the, okay. the most. Yeah, so for those, I probably have an, a, a, um, a four, three to four yard cut is perfect. You can do a lot with that. So I have a probably a, a rainbow of colors. I have probably 12 different colors of chiffons. And so yeah, so that's chiffon. But in terms of like skirts, if you see anything flow that way, then I've made it just because they're impossible to find. Okay, um, that that makes a little bit more sense because I yeah. was just like, oh my gosh, like <laughs> that did not look like a bed sheet. I've never <laughs> seen a bed sheet Although like um, sheer curtains, I, I probably could have found some sheer curtains and have had the same effect. You know, just that yeah, are very similar to chiffon. So I, 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 the I've fabrics all come from the same places. It just happened to be made into a curtain. <laughs> 
I was going to say, I know I've seen a few of your uh, outfits on your Instagram, and you, mm -hmm. you mentioned the fact, oh, I turned this shower curtain basically into a dress. I'm like, really? Uh -huh. Oh, yeah, for skirts, you can buy the ruffled shower curtains, and the ruffling's already done for you. So all you have to do is put a little you know, waistband in it or a ribbon through the top casing. Yeah, so that, that whole process of working with what you got and being able um, you know, that creativity is free. You know, You don't have to spend a lot of money on it. And it really is about just your mind and your imagination. And um, you know, another thing that really expanded my kind of my creativity for the fine art portraits was um, the idea of compositing. You know, I think as I've known photographers in my past, I've heard a lot of kind of like, well, if it's not a real picture, if it wasn't all there when you took the picture, kind of a thing. And that's what I love about photography. There's it's so wide and vast that there's room for all styles of photography. And so with Portrait Masters, opening my mind to the idea of the compositing, and, and that totally gave me a different way of thinking about my shoots. And so it became now like, I'm just shooting different pieces and different elements, and they don't even have to be shot at the same time. They can be shot at different times. So if I don't have my idea completely fleshed out when I have the photo shoot with my model, that's okay. Let me get the parts with her that I need, and then I can kind of see how those turn out. And then I can then add the layer of, I can do the fabric throwing, like for Yin Yang, the black and the white fabrics, those were shot later in the day once she went home, because then I could take the time to really get the exact shapes I was looking for as throwing the fabric, and then it all gets composited together. And that compositing, it's not cheating, that's part of the creative process, that's part of the art of it. And I think that's something that Richard Wood does so well, is showing just the amount of... Um, you know, technicality and creativity that is required in compositing and that that in and of itself is a really cool art form. And so that's something that I've really enjoyed and really expanded the options and what I could do for those um, silver award portraits. So with the compositing, it sounds like you don't necessarily have the like game plan set up at the beginning when you're working with the model. Like you're not like, okay, I'm going to want it to look like this, so I'm going to pose her this way, and then I'm going to shoot this piece, and then I'm going to shoot this piece. It's like you look at it, and you're like, something's missing, and then you kind of like, ah, oh, I could go photograph this piece. So is that, am I getting that right? Because that's the opposite of how I would think that someone would maybe approach right. compositing. Yeah, so I definitely have the overall idea in mind of what I want it to be. But then I also know, okay, this shoot is scheduled for this time, so I do know, know I have to have these things figured out for this shoot, and then once I have that shoot figured out, then I can kind of look at it and I can add more. Like for example, um, in this last round, I won the pet category with a picture of a ballerina and a flamingo. And I, she was um, pho pho photographed um, in the studio, and then the flamingo I photographed at our wild animal park out here. And so when I brought those things together, you know, I had her hand kind of out towards the flamingo and as I looked at them, like I really want there to be more connection because that series was part of a breast cancer um, series I was doing of really incorporating just the pinks and those ribbons so I'm like I want to add this ribbon to be able to go from her hand and around the, um, the flamingo's neck so then that's a separate shoot um, of just you know photographing just the ribbon and then bringing that element in so there's kind of like the, the base layer the base pieces and then once you have those done the compositing allows you to keep adding some additional elements that might make it even better and more, mm -hmm. more exciting. So, And how are you keeping like the lighting consistent so that mm -hmm. when you composite it, it's all, you know, it looks yeah. not fake, basically. Right. Yeah, absolutely. So that was another, um, so backing up a little bit of when I started adding commercial photography, um, I had bought three Canon speed lights um, that I used for that. And so then as I was, um, transitioning into or saw Felix's videos and wanted to start doing the soft studio light. I mean, my um, the guest suite, which is my studio, is only 11 and a half feet wide and 15 feet deep. And so as I looked at these big, you know, five, six foot soft boxes, I'm like, there's no way I'm gonna be able to fit that in my small room. And so I remember going like to the Portrait Masters conference and actually chatting with Felix a little bit about it. I'm like, how can I do this just with like speed lights and bounce light and all that? And so through experimenting, was able to find ways to just really just bounce the light through these speed lights, either off the ceiling, or I have just a very inexpensive 
Apollo um, or Westcott Apollo softbox. It's actually kind of a square. It's about 28 inches. And so, um, but when I put my flash in there, the light is just, you know, it's too harsh. It just creates such a strong shadow line, like on the side of the nose. And so I'm like, okay, let's soften this, you know, like what Sue Bryce teaches. So I took two layers from a white bed sheet and I sewed just like a little cover to go over the front of this softbox. And now it is, you know, it um, softened all those shadows. And so 95% of the shots, you know, in Portrait Masters were all shot with this Westcott softbox that just had two layers of a white sheet in front of it that softened it enough. And so, and I primarily would shoot with that key light being, you know, um, to my left, so to the model's right, you know, kind of that 45 degree angle. Mm -hmm. So, so that became kind of the consistent light. So if I kind of basically left my key light in that spot, then as I was considering compositing and everything else, as long as it all was lit, um, very similar, then it would all work together. And, you know, the other big piece that I learned, um, from taking Richard Woods, his, um, I forget all the names, but his creative um, editing um, tutorials um, is how much, um, you know, you have to have a good solid portrait to start from, photo to start from, but then how much um, you're able to, you know, darken or lighten elements once you're in editing to really bring them together. So that's definitely, it's in editing and kind of that the darkening areas and lightening areas that, that you can really help them blend together. That's really wow. impressive. <laughs> oh, thank you. I was going to say, by the sound of it, with the use of compositing and the fact that you use speed lights as opposed to some of the larger lights, mm -hmm. it gives you the ability to create these majestic-looking images mm -hmm. with the flowing fabric without your space being a limiting factor to you right yeah and with the dance shoots now uh, you know 15 foot depth in my studio um i have um uh, so i hand paint my backdrops and i have three of them hanging on a variable system but i have it two feet away from the back wall because i like to be able to put my third speed light back there so it can hit the ceiling to be able to get that soft light coming down as a hair light and so my depth in that room is only then about 13 feet, which really isn't enough to be able to shoot a dancer. And so for a lot of the dancer shoots, I just, um, I have a separate backdrop stand and then I just put up my canvas backdrops into, into my um, living room and then I do the shoot in there. Cause then I've got, cause I have a big, great room, you know, living room to kitchen, all that. So now I have like 21 feet, <laughs> you know, of depth. And so I can just, I'll shoot the dancers in there just so that I can be at, you know, out around 50 millimeter or so for photographing them. But, and you know, it wasn't my intention to go into this as like the speed light photographer. <laughs> it really was just working with what I had and in my small space. And I just had to take away that block that, oh, I, I don't think I could get something, a picture that looks like that with just speed lights. But you learn that light is light and it could be created in so many different ways. And so I would love to have the larger, more expensive, bigger strobes and soft boxes. I mean, that would be so fun to work with those. But in my space now, this is what works for me. And I really can't believe that, you know, in Portrait Masters to be able to uh, what I've accomplished there just with those speed lights. And so it just, I hopefully I, that people will feel inspired by that, that you are not limited by not having large, expensive gear. Just understand the light and how to control it and you can you know get whatever results you want. Yeah, that is absolutely fantastic. It's so impressive and so inspiring. I just want to go ahead and reintroduce you. So today we're talking to Nicole Bonilla and we're talking all about the Portrait Masters Awards and accreditation and all the success that she's been able to achieve in a short amount of time with her photography. Um, Kevin, I'm going to toss it to you, but I also want to let the audience know if you have any questions for Nicole, you can go ahead at this point and raise your hand and we will invite you to come up on stage and ask your question to Nicole. So Nicole, you had said that your shoots are approximately three hours long with um, when you do the model call. Uh -huh. How many images are you actually taking throughout this to finally get to the... Uh, end result you're doing the model and then potentially mm -hmm. any of the uh extra compositing pieces of fabric how long how many images is all that ending up being 
Sure. Yeah. In an average shoot, when I would do three to four outfits with the dancer, I'd end up with between three and 400 images. Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> right. Oh, yeah. Well, be, <laughs> and that's the, that's the challenge when you're throwing fabric is that obviously you get a different throw every time. And so, you know, I'll probably shoot 10 shots of each, you know, kind of fabric piece that I want, just knowing that I can get the shot that I want. But, you know, it goes it goes fast. And I know for myself and for the dancer, you know, one outfit or one look never goes more than like 40 minutes. You know, I definitely want to keep things moving. And, um, you know, you don't want to belabor it. <laughs> you know, if, if I can't capture it in that amount of time, then, you know, I need to move on. <laughs> um, speaking of like the culling process, this mm-hmm. is something that like always fascinates me is like, how do you kind of instinctually or maybe it's more analytical decide which of the images out of these three to 400 mm-hmm. is like the one you're going to focus on to submit or the five that you're going to focus on to submit? Like, how do you know which one is really the most successful that's going to perform the best? Um, you know, that's one thing I really liked watching with Sue Bryce and Felix in you know, what they teach is, you know, you scan through them and it's, it's almost like an emotional response, you know, like you'll just have those few that just jump out at you. And, um, but I have to, you know, keep an open mind because I have the idea in mind and I might be looking for the fabric or looking for, um, her, you know, positioning or how, what's the overall, um, you know, composition of it. And so then I get those pictures first and then, I pro- then I need to think, okay, wait, what's her facial expression? <laughs> you know, am I getting just the right mood, just the right look, it, you know, like in her face? So I'll usually start with what's the big overall that I'm looking for. And they're usually very obvious. I'd say the calling process is, is I probably don't even think twice really about it. It's not really a hurdle because again, they, they just kind of, um, they raise their own hand, you know, in the, uh, as I, I use exposure excess, X6 as I'm going through them. Mm-hmm. Um, and usually I have it narrowed down to like two or three, and then that's where I get stuck. <laughs> you know, like um, I'll usually end up editing about two or three, almost to the final level, maybe not quite that far. Um, and then that's where it's been helpful to um, maybe show those couple final ones in like the um, the Facebook groups, you know, like Sue's group and Richard's um, group, just to kind of get some input from other people. That's really helpful. Because at that point, I'm kind of like, okay, I need someone else to look at it who who can be more objective about it because I've been looking at it maybe for too long. And so that's really helpful to get a fresh eye. And I've, um, I have six kids and I've, uh, I've we're all pretty creative. So my husband also has his degree in design. And so I love getting their opinions as well, my teenagers, because they will definitely be honest with you. <laughs> are. And, uh, yeah. And, and they, they can just, they can tell the emotion of it, you know, they can tell what it's communicating. And so I value that as well. So you have to be willing to take that, you know, constructive criticism or be able to kind of get other people's opinions and be willing to just humbly let go of, you know, kind of your own um, preferences. And that's been super helpful. How many will you submit to, you know, the awards from a particular concept, let's say? Like, do you feel like it dilutes it if you submit maybe five of the same concept? Or do you really feel like you have to have just one epic one and that's it? Or mm-hmm. So I, that's been one that I've questioned because um, kind of early on, I know I submitted like two that were from the same shoot same outfit, same model and all that, but very different shots. But then as I, you know, would listen like to Richard Wood or other people, they would all say, you know, don't submit from the same shoot because it will lessen your chances. But then I know um, in this lot, not this session, but the last Portrait Masters, there were several in some of the top 20s that it was the same model, the same outfit, you know, from the same shoot. So I have to be honest, I don't know that I'm totally clear on kind of their rules on that. Um, so just to be safe, I decided to not ever, you know, post two from the same shoot because I didn't want to lessen the chances of one of them doing as well as it could. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's kind of, that's a conclusion I came to. So, um, <laughs> I know sometimes it can be hard to like read the tea leaves of what the best yes. practice is. Do you mm-hmm. also feel like you have to hide the images from social media? Like, I mean, you did say that you share them in the Facebook groups, but mm-hmm. do you worry that like if the 
judges potentially follow you or someone was to see it before it was like technically judged that that would like maybe lessen the impact at judging Mm -hmm. time, you know, if they'd seen it before? Because I've heard different things about this. Yeah, yeah, that's a good question too. Um, Early on, I had done... um, done a photo shoot I had a couple images and I actually just on a whim like sent a personal message to Richard Wood asking his opinion on him <laughs> and um, you know he kind of gave some feedback which was like really helpful and then I submitted one of them uh, the one that he actually thought was the strongest submitted that and that actually only it, it scored one of my lowest so I was really surprised by that um, and but again I don't know so to answer your question of does it influence judges, I don't think so because I don't know who the judges are and I don't know if they see what's in social media. So I haven't worried about that at all. Um, and if anything, um, kind of a, with um, COVID and being quarantined, um, that kind of inspired me to, um, you know, as, we're, as I'm in my house, I'm like, well, I've got my sewing machine, I've got my studio, <laughs> I've got my camera. And so what I decided to do was to kind of create YouTube videos about this creative process for these um, finer, uh, more creative portraits. So I would, um, you know, show from what my idea was, here's a sketch of the outfit, you know, here's me at Goodwill finding bed sheets and curtains <laughs> that I'm going to make it with, here's me making it, and then here's how, how I'm going to plan and style the shoot, here's the photo shoot, and then here's the final portraits. And so just being able to show that full creative process was so much fun for me and what, what I call kind of my own creative therapy, so to, so to speak. So in being very open and transparent in that process, um, I don't feel, um, I'm fine with sharing images like before Portrait Masters in the groups. Because again, the times that I did, the feedback I got was really helpful. And I feel people were able to catch things that I didn't even think about in some of the images. So it was really nice to get their feedback on it. So I don't think it hurt in any way. That's really helpful to know. Because, yeah, I, I never know what the, like, protocol, I yeah, guess. Like. I know. <laughs> yeah, I'd say it's, it's probably just very personal. Like, you know, I, yeah, there's just so many people and so many photographers. I don't think you're, like, giving anything away or, like, oh, are they going to copy me if I put this out there? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I don't necessarily, <laughs> yeah, I don't necessarily worry about copying so yeah. much. It's just, like, yeah, does it take the impact away later oh. if you get a big reaction, oh, you know, right. ahead of time kind yeah. of thing? I, um, I, yeah, I would say before competition, share it just if you're wanting feedback on it or you know, mm-hmm. any ideas on it. But then if you're wanting just to share it because it's, you know, a fun image and you're proud of it and you just want to, you know, share it with people, then I would do that after. Because I know for me, I've wanted to wait until after. Because then in the videos I've been making about these portraits, then I can include, oh, and this portrait won a silver award with the Portrait Masters. And I just think that's a fun way to include in the video um, of it. So I wait till after for sharing. So, and, and that's another, what's been really fun for me with these more creative fine art portraits is it's not necessarily for paying clients, but it does give me um, just great images to put into my Instagram feeds. You know, they get great responses from. And it's been really fun to make the videos about them, the whole process of making them. So I've really enjoyed both of those. And, and one other thing to point out um, about, you know, there's award-winning portraits and then there's crowd-pleasing portraits. Mm-hmm. And so Can you touch on that, please? Yes. So what I have found, so those portraits that... Um, that the, you get high scores on are not necessarily the portraits that people are going to respond to as much. Because um, I have found, for me, I did, I've done some portraits where it's, it's focused just on animals. You know, I did some with like some skin, hairless cats um, and some little chickies and things. And they were really fun to create. Um, I scored really well on them. But then in my Instagram, they did not get very much response. And then I've had um, portraits that um, you know, it scored like a 77 or so, a silver. And like, it is by far my most liked with the biggest reach in my Instagram feed. Um, you know, so you kind of have to decide. So don't rule out an image that maybe didn't score well from the judges. You know, the, your crowd may love it. You know, those who follow you may absolutely love it. Um, so there's just different criteria for each. How, how do you approach that then as a photographer for yourself or your own, mm-hmm. however it makes you feel? Do you find yourself more trying to 
create the award-winning work or the one that is going to ultimately make the crowd go wild? Right. That's a really important question. And that's one that, and first you kind of have to ask yourself, am I creating this piece to sell or am I, you know, creating this for personal expression? Am I creating it because I love the process? You know, am I, what's kind of your reason for creating? Is it because I'm just highly competitive? I don't want to do better than I did last time. You know, so that's very individual that you have to decide for yourself what's really your, your reason for um, creating it to begin with. And um, there's another quote that I heard first from Sue, but I'm sure it gets used widely. And it's, you know, the tide raises all ships. And so my kind of crash course over the last two years of doing portrait masters and submitting, you know, it was, it was so, you know, grueling in just the amount of attention you have to pay to the details of your editing, all your edges, you know, every little hair, every little thing, which I had never like looked at my photos with such a microscope before, so to speak. And so, but, you know, I got better at that as I realized, oh, that's what you have to do if you want these photos to, you know, to get more points on them. And so um, in doing that, though, so now that when I'm doing just my regular client work, first of all, I'm like, oh, this is so much easier. <laughs> like, oh, I'm like, not ha- I can remind myself, you're not editing. A judge is not going to look at this. It's okay. You know, this is only going to be printed as an 8 by 10 and going up on their wall. It's okay. So that's kind of a, a funny relief to it. But it has definitely made all of my editing across the board even better just in my client work because of what I learned and what I gained through that process of portrait masters. So it definitely, for me, has raised all my ships, I guess you could say. Is there anything from your retouching specifically that you're, you're able then to transfer then over into your client work? Like, oh, I should look at this aspect of my work which would ultimately dramatically improve my client work Uh yeah I would say like just editing like with eyes you know like how to kind of get that 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 brightness and like you know the the whites and and the 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 iris and stuff you know it's real easy to over process that or to not Mm. process it enough so I think that's one area that I've I've seen really helps Um, another is in um, you know using your vignetting and um, this is what um, Richard Wood teaches. And, you know, so obviously there's the instant vignette feature that we can use, like in exposure or Lightroom, which just kind of does it uniformly. But instead to kind of paint in that vignette when you're in your Photoshop layer, because it really allows you to direct their eye to the area that you want to have a little bit brighter. And it may not fit inside just that automated circle. You know, you, you might mm. be able to do that by hand. So I found that has really helped just my regular client work, um, and then also when needed to do some compositing, <laughs> you know, of moving heads around or, you know, things like that. Um, it's definitely helped with that as well. In your, in your award-winning work, is that what, you're fo- what you end up spending the most time on is the compositing aspect of it, or is there something else in your work that takes up more of your time, maybe color correction, mm-hmm. skin retouching, dodging and burning? Yeah, I would say it's in the compositing. You know, it's in the, um, especially like working with the animals and bringing those in because you've got, you know, their kind of fur that you have to, if you're going to be clipping them out and putting them into another shot, you know, and uh, I just kind of learned at first you want to just sort of like, you know, slap it on there and hopefully it's good enough. But then you realize, no, you got to zoom in. You're like, oh man, there I am, (laughs) hand drawing, little hairs, (laughs) you know, but um, so I would say in the beginning, it took much longer because you would kind of do a first pass at it and then be like, okay, I need to do more. So now you're coming back and revisiting, doing more. And then you're coming back and revisiting, doing more. So over time, the amount of editing became shorter because I could be much more direct to know that, okay, I'm just going to go right in. I know how much detail I need to put on the leg of this goat, you know, for it to look right. I'm just going to do it right the first time. And then I don't have to come back and keep revisiting it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, like for example, um, the night before the deadline for this last round, um, uh, I did the shot of the girl riding the hippo, and I had lots of different um, the zoo animals in the shot. And so I had the idea to do that uh, literally the night before <laughs> the deadline. Um, you know, I had all the individual shots from the zoo, but I didn't have the girl. So the next day, I just called up 
one of my daughter's friends and say, hey, do you want to come model for me? So she came over. I got the shot of her. And then so I probably only had like maybe two hours to edit that, but which is not normal. I like to give myself, I don't like to put things to the last minute, but I could be very intentional about my editing. You know, I could go right in. I'm like, okay, I know I just need to clip this out here. This goes here, darken that, lighten that. And then be able to use another wonderful quote I love from Sue Bryce, that done is better than perfect. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, You know what? This is good enough. I want to submit this. It's going done. Perfect. You know, don't let perfect be the thief of joy. (laughs) (laughs) Nothing like a little pressure from a deadline. (laughs) (laughs) I I, I knew it was last minute, but, you know, it worked out great. It was in the top 20 for that category. And it's a fun piece and I love it. So, yeah, that's but I don't am- recommend that. <laughs> yeah, that's amazing. Um, okay, Kevin, I yeah, go. <laughs> no worries. I, I was going to say, when you're not up against a deadline, you know, you mm-hmm. can move another pixel, you can heal another spot, adjust another color. How do you know when an image is done? Like, that's it. That's it, you know. And mm-hmm. where you can't improve on it anymore. And you should just fi- finish it right there. Yeah. I would say that's another blessing of having a, my husband that's also an artist and then have creative kids is being able to ha- have someone else take a look at it and be able to, and they can kind of say like, no, I think, I think you're there. Um, and it, uh, yeah, I mean, if time was, was no, uh, that's almost hard to imagine because there's always <laughs> deadlines on things, but um, I would say I have uh, I have so many different creative projects and things that I love to work on that I really want to get that one done so I can move on to the next one. And so I guess for me personally, I'm I'm not one to to overprocess it because I want to get to that point that I feel good about it. I can say I've done everything I think I should, and then remember less is more. <laughs> and um, you know sometimes we start to ruin it if we look at it too long. And so I can just, when I feel content and I'm be like, okay, I did my best. That looks great. And then I can put that on aside and then move on to the next project. Can you talk a little bit about managing emotions maybe mm-hmm. around the awards? Because I know yes. whenever submissions close, you, there's like a slew of posts in the Facebook group. I'm sick. I'm going to throw up. Yes. And then like the day before the awards come out, oh my gosh, I'm going <laughs> to, you know, yes. just all these nerves. And then oh, also yeah. once the awards do come out, of course you get the elated posts where people are overjoyed. They exceeded their expectations. And then the flip side will be the people who are disappointed, which is totally normal to be you know, having a result maybe that didn't come up to what you were hoping it would be and feel mm-hmm. disappointed about that. But like, how does a person manage their emotions so that they can keep working toward their goals and success without it like, you know, overtaking their life or preventing mm-hmm. them from getting their normal work done in their business? Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, I'd say the best phrase would just be to keep it in its place. So for me that, you know, submitting the first time, that was probably the the easiest because, you know, I used to make six images. I really had no idea where I stood, so to speak. And so, you know, I submitted those. And, you know, it was it was a good feeling of like, oh, wow, those look good. And then the next round, when I now was being a little more intentional about what to post or what to submit, um, yeah, it's your heart definitely beats as you hit that submit button, you know, because you're putting yourself out there. And, um, you know, I just remember feeling disappointed on some. And again, that was kind of the time that I was transitioning and realizing that difference between client work and then the creative work. Um, and then that the next round, I just thought, okay, within creative work, I'm just going to kind of like throw spaghetti against the wall in a way. I'm going to just try a, a bunch of different styles and things that are still, still that I like. And let's just see what the response is. And so I did that in one of the rounds and there were some that did not do well, even though I knew they had lots of story, you know, they had all those elements and then looking at the ones that did do well. So then I was like, okay, well, if, if my goal here is to achieve points, cause obviously the, if you get silvers, it's a lot less expensive <laughs> to get to, you know, the different levels. And if you were trying to get them all with bronzes. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I kind of then continued to steer into the pictures that were scoring the best for me. And also during that time, so, you know, I deal with with anxiety. And so to keep myself calm and everything, you know, I just had to tell myself, okay, this is for fun. 
this is to learn. And mm. this is not something that I'm going to let, you know, control me. I'm not going to, when, when I have the deadline coming up, I stop all photo shoots within about the, you know, a week and a half or so of the deadline. So I'm like, all I have then is a, a, a good week to just edit. No more new shoots, <laughs> you know, and you know, I don't know how many pictures I'll submit. I'll submit as many as I feel should go into it. Um, and then um, just, you know, again, having feel like, okay, I've done my best. This is all I can do. Done is better than perfect. And I'm here to learn. And this is amazing. And this is, this is fun for me. And if it's not fun, I don't want to do it. Um, and so then, but then, the, you know, the day of, when you know the results are going to be posted, I make sure I go to the gym in the morning so I can like work off some nervous energy, <laughs> <laughs> you know, anticipating it. And, you know, thankfully there were some huge surprises like to have scored that gold. Oh my good heavens. You know, like, feel? oh, that was unbelievable. <laughs> Unfreaking believable. You know, just to totally unanticipated and, um, you know, and to, yeah, I've won the category with it. But I'll be honest, at the same time, um, some of the shots that I also submitted that got really low scores, you just felt that pit in the stomach, you know, it just felt like, really? Oh, man, you know, like, I, you know, it, and I think the frustration is, I thought it was good enough, because you want your perception of what's good or good enough to be the same as what the judges are seeing, you know, because you want to be able to see the same things, you know, you're like, you want to be able to know when your work is good. And so it's kind of that little, you know, punch, you know, punch to the gut. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh man, I, I, I thought it was good, but it wasn't. You know? When you, when you look at like, you know, your gold or your highest scoring images, and then you look at the ones that you had that like, kind of like, oh, it got this. Mm -hmm. I thought it would do better. Yeah. Like when you look at them after getting those, that feedback, do you go, oh, I see it now? Or is it still like, I still don't get it. <laughs> there, there are a few. There are a few that are in that I still don't get it. But for the most part, definitely, I see it. And it, it is because, you know, this whole creative process, it is emotionally driven. That's why we do it. Um, and so it's so difficult to not feel that emotional response. But then to be able to be step back, be humble, be teachable, and be able to say, like, okay, what did I not see? Like, what could I do better next time? You know, what am I not quite getting? So you really just have to swallow the pride and just accept it and just take that in. Um, and again, if you're shooting um, for the integrity of what you love shooting and it doesn't matter to you what other people think, then for sure shoot what you love That if that's what fills your cup, you know, for shooting. But like with this, if your goal is I want to do better in this particular arena of creative photography, then I need to be, you know, listening. I need to be watching. I need to be really taking this in to know what excels in this arena and to like what they're looking for. So, you know, you really just kind of have to decide where you're at and what's what's most important to you with that. Um, I love this last round that they finally allowed the commenting on the pictures. Like, yeah, hallelujah. I was going to ask you. Oh my goodness. <laughs> I wish that's probably been my biggest frustration with the whole process since I started submitting is that to not know why it scored so low. Like, just tell me, was it my idea or was it my editing? Because I know that editing can improve, but if it was my idea, that's harder to improve. You know, like, I, that was very, what, very frustrating. What was yeah. your, what were you getting then for feedback on your images? On this last round? Yes. Okay, yeah, so the last one. So it was, um, what I, you know, there were very some very positive feedback, but then on a couple that I thought should have scored better, there was one, um, where they said that the color of the skin on her hands, because she was kind of standing a little bit kind of that goddess pose where she had her hands out to the side of her. And so, you know, most of the light and the focus was around her face. And they said that the color in her hands didn't match like the skin tones, like in her face and all that. And I'm like, oh my goodness. I'm like, I didn't even think about that. <laughs> you know, so as I zoomed in and looked at her hands, I'm like, oh, yeah, I guess they do look a little bit gray or just a little bit not as much saturation as, as what was in her face. So for something like that, I was like, thank goodness I could get that feedback because it had nothing to do with the concept of the shoe. It was just this one technical detail of the coloring in her hands, you know, so that was so useful to know. Like that'd be, so going forward, now I know what to look for, on, at least in that particular element. Which can ultimately be fixed later on. In oh, yeah. Next oh, totally fixed. Yeah. 
Absolutely. So, but if they tell you that the idea is maybe, you know, like cliche or, or something like that, that's a little harder to fix, you know. It could be technically superb, but if, or, or another perfect example, um, I did, uh, there's a um, trapeze warehouse close by, and so I did some shots of girls um, hanging on the silk fabrics, mm-hmm. and so, which was really fun. I took my backdrops to the gym and photographed it there, and um, so to do it, the, the owners, um, they had a daughter, she was about 11, and so to do this trade, there, um, the you know, I could tell they kind of wa- wanted me to photograph their daughter. You know, and she was a cute girl, but you know, her features. She had a very, she had very thin lips. Her eyes were kind of small, uh, but she had you know, great physique, great form, and all of that. And so, in the pictures, I loved how they looked of her body and everything else. But I knew her face just wasn't quite photogenic, like which has nothing to do with being pretty or ugly. Just her features just didn't quite communicate emotion. And Mm -hmm. so that was some feedback I saw like in one or two of hers that I submitted, you know, that they still got like, you know, bronze with distinction, but it was like her expression is just a little bit blank, you know, or I don't quite get a catch light in her eyes. I'm like, because she didn't have eyes. Her eyes are so, you know, they just, smaller. they were small. Yeah. So that, that would be something where, um, you know, what your model looks like is important. (laughs) And so, um, but knowing that photo shoot and that that was their daughter and they were willing to do the trade and it was a fun new concept I'd never done before. Oh, I'm totally happy. Like it accomplished its purpose on lots of other levels, but that's good to know going forward that the expression and features of your model's face are so important if they are able to communicate the emotion or mood of your photo. Mm-hmm. That is so interesting to actually take into consideration is mm-hmm. just what the person is capable of doing with the expression on their face. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. And again, it has nothing to do with being pretty or ugly. It's just about actual shapes of eyes and, and mouth emoting. and lips. And yeah. And can they convey emotion? And that's hard when you're directing the shoot, you're in a, you know, like a ballerina or something, and you're so concerned about their posture and their position and their foot. And as everything turned out, like I have to remember, wait, okay, look at her face. I'm like, oh yeah, <laughs> I need to go look at her face. What emotion does she have? <laughs> you know, and kind of helping to guide them through that. Of like, okay, I need just this, this really soft, sincere, or oh, you look kind of more determined and confident. Or like, um, this last, um, it won the teen category. I had a ballerina with her head wrapped. You know, again, part of my breast cancer series. And so I want her. I'm like, okay, I want you to just like. You know, it's, it feels like you just got kind of like a, you know, a gut punch. I want you to just contract that chest inward and your gaze just be able to kind of look down and just what's that, um, that softness you would feel with what you've just gone through, you know, and so that remembering to give them that direction mm-hmm. and she was able to do that very well. And that came through in the, the picture. So that's kind of that, that emotional element that you have to remember to incorporate on top of all the technical things that you're trying to accomplish as well. So, but that provides that intangible and that provides that um, connection that your viewer is going to have and what they're going to feel when they see your portrait, which is, I think, what we're all really after. It's um, to help someone feel something, whatever that feeling might be when they see our portrait. So, wow. Yeah, so powerful to remember to connect with the emotional story of the photo mm-hmm. and then like direct the model to that that yeah i feel that awesome well nicole we have hit the one hour mark and wow, that wow what a fantastic I know. Yeah, right so fun <laughs> we have um but before we let you go thank you very much for everything uh if you can please share your socials with us so people know where to find you oh absolutely so on instagram i am nicole.carson.bonia and that Instagram account has all of my uh, the fine art work on it. And then my YouTube channel, um, you can also look up Nicole Carson Bonilla. And I have a specific playlist called uh, Designing the Look from Idea to Portrait. And I have a video on there about the Yin Yang portrait, the one gold. And I have lots of others and different creative projects that I've done, which I take you behind the scenes to be able to show you from start to finish. Um, and then Facebook, I have Nicole Carson Bonilla Portrait Studio. Find me on Facebook. And then my website is NicoleBoniaPortrait.com. Awesome. Awesome. 
everyone, please be sure to go follow Nicole. And make sure to follow the Portrait System on Instagram and on Facebook as well. Also, be sure to check out the blog posts that are associated with the Clubhouse interviews at suebriceeducation.com forward slash blog. You can also follow Ashley on Instagram at Ashley Taylor Portrait. That is A-S-H-L-E-I-G-H. And you can find me there as poplight underscore photography. If you are a member of Sue Bryce Education and you have more questions for Nicole, Ashley, or myself, go tag us in a post in the SPE Members Only Facebook group. And if you are not a member of Supervised Education and you are interested in learning more about how it can help your business succeed, email Ella with support at support at SupericeEducation.com. Thank you again for joining us, and we hope you can join us next week. Oh, not next week. Excuse me. No, it's our last one of the year. (laughs) Until 2022. We'll see you all then. Thanks again for listening today. And don't forget, you can listen to either me or our special guests every Friday on Clubhouse at 11 a.m. Pacific. Thank you so much for listening to the Portrait System Podcast. Your five-star reviews really help us to continue what we do. So if you like listening, would you mind giving us a review wherever you listen? I also encourage you to head over to SueBriceEducation.com where you can find all of the education you need to be a successful photographer. There are over 1,000 on-demand educational videos on things like posing, lighting, styling, retouching, shooting, marketing, sales, business, and self-value. There's also the 90-Day Startup Challenge plus so many downloads showing hundreds of different poses. We have to-do checklists for your business lighting PDFs. I mean, truly everything to help make you a better photographer and to make you more money. Once again, that's SueBriceEducation.com.